0: You're Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon, I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Friday everybody. Happy weekend. This is another day with no real NBA or Timberwolves related news. I guess the one piece of positive news that is out there is that all members of the Utah Jazz organization, including, of course, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, have officially recovered from coronavirus. Some good news there amidst what feels like a steady stream of negative news, uh, both nationally and internationally right now. So um, definitely good to hear that. We don't necessarily have updates uh, from Brooklyn or Detroit or any of the other places where we know players and staff had tested positive, um, but um, good to hear the the positive news out of Salt Lake City. All right, today here at Locked on Wolves, we're going to jump back into our ranking of the top 20 Timberwolves players in franchise history. But first, a very quick reminder to please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right. A quick reminder on parameters for this top 20. If you didn't listen to the to the first episode, that's Thursday of this week. Um, we ranked the 16th through 20th best players in Timberwolves history, and I gave a little bit of a longer explanation on what the parameters are going to be for the exercise. Just the real quick cliff notes are, we're considering the body of every player's work for the Timberwolves and only playing for the Timberwolves. We're not considering Jimmy Butler's entire career, just his season and handful of games he played in minnesota what his overall impact was on the organization and while he will rank highly on this list he can't rank in the top two even if he is the second best all round player to ever play for the timberwolves Um, and by the same token gorgie jeng was already ranked um, in the 15 to 20 range because he had strong play over a long period of time we can't overrank him simply because of some of those volume stats, you know, ranking high in blocks and rebounds with the team. We can't underrank him just because he was never or we do underrank him a little just because he was never a top two or three player on the team at any given point. Um, so he he fits in that 15 to 20 range. Okay, let's run through the five that we talked through on Thursday. Number 20 was Joe Smith. Number 19 Gorgie Jang. Number 18 Anthony Peeler. Seventeen Roshanst and 16 Andrew Wiggins. There's a distinct Early 2000s flavor there with Joe Smith, Anthony Peel, and Rashon all playing big parts of the one-and-done playoff teams of the early 2000s for the Timberwolves, all leaving the season before the Wolves went to the conference finals in 2004. Um, and then obviously Gorgie Jang and Andrew Wiggins are two recent players. The Wiggins pick, I understand, is controversial at 16. Go ahead and listen to the episode from Thursday to hear my full rationale, but long story short is the combination of um, of a lack of consistency and also an overall lack of efficiency um, really knocked him down this list, but in terms of raw numbers and volume and counting stats, he's ranked very high in Timberwolves history. He played several years and barely ever missed games. And so by that nature, he's um, you know certainly going to rank higher in some of those categories than uh, than he does in any of the uh, the efficiency categories or in, in his actual on-court impact as well. All right, number 15 on our list, without further ado, Pooh Richardson was a member of the inaugural Timberwolves game 1989-1990, only played three seasons with the team. Otherwise, he would have ranked much higher in terms of team's all-time best point guards, he's still probably in that top five, you know, along with off the top of my head, Ricky Rubio, Sam Cassell, already D'Angelo Russell. Um, You'd have to put him in the same Kind of category, similar category as Jeff Teague, probably a little better than Jeff Teague. Um, He averaged 15 points, 8.8 assists, 3.3 rebounds per game, and played in every single possible game with the Timberwolves over those three years. Didn't miss any games, started 212 of the 246 games that he appeared in. He was the first ever draft selection by the Timberwolves, 10th overall in 1989 out of UCLA, and was known for being a pass first point guard, averaging 8.8 assists, as I mentioned, over the course of his three years. In the 1990-91 season, he did score 17.1 points per game and only dropped slightly to 16.5 points per game the next year, shooting 46.6% from the field overall um, in, in a Wolves uniform. He was actually traded along with Sam Mitchell um, to the Indiana Pacers in the Chuck Person-Michael Williams trade Um Michael Williams just missed the top 20. We'll get to Sam Mitchell later on. Um, and of course Mitchell ended up coming back to Minnesota later in his career and ranks very high in a lot of categories just because of his longevity in Minnesota as well. Um, uh, Richardson went on to have a solid career, um, after, uh, you know, playing his first three years of his career in Minnesota and, uh, after leaving the Timberwolves, he was traded to the Pacers. Played there for two years, and then finished his career six seasons, um, excuse me, five seasons in Los Angeles. His last season that he played was the eighty, excuse me, 98-99 season for the Clippers at age thirty-two. For his career, he averaged eleven points, six and a half assists. Again, for his Timberwolves career, those numbers are fifteen points and eight assists. Um, he was part of some pretty bad teams those three years in minnesota and then after leaving minnesota he was asked to do he wasn't asked to do nearly as much for some teams that were uh not expansion teams um, the first team that richardson played for the 89 90 wolves went 22 and 60. Second year they went 29 and 53 and then his third and final year in minnesota before being traded the wolves dropped all the way to 15 and 67 that season um, were far more competitive in his first two years with the wolves Overall, the combination of, of assists and also the uh, the fact that he was part of that original Wolves team is easily enough to land him on this list. Where he ranks franchise, uh, in terms of all-time franchise marks, he is still third in assists, which is crazy considering he played three seasons with the team, and that was more than a couple decades ago. Kevin Garnett is easily number one. Ricky Rubio is easily number two, and he's almost 1,000 assists ahead of Pooh Richardson. Richardson was still only, still about 300 assists ahead of Terrell Brandon, and nobody else that we've talked about on this list is even close. Andrew Wiggins was number 10. Um, we'll get to a number of the other guys who are between 3 and 10 later in this countdown. Um, so Pooh Richardson comes in at number 15. All right, next up, we are going to talk about numbers 14 and 13 on this list. All right. continuing our countdown of the top 20 Timberwolves players of all time. Number 15, Pooh Richardson. Number 14, Doug West. He was with the Timberwolves for a long time, was also a member of the inaugural Timberwolves team in 89-90, along with Pooh Richardson. And this is a case of longevity outweighing um, overall production, um, at least least peaks in production. He ranks, West ranks 7th all time in Timberwolves history in points scored. uh, But he he had a peak in 1992, 93. He started all 80 games for that team and scored 19 points per game, 19.3 points per game. And, uh, that was easily his peak on either side of that. He averaged roughly 14 points a game and only four of his overall nine seasons in Minnesota. Did he average in double figures? He just had that extremely high peak, the three year peak from 91 to 94. He averaged 16.6 points per game. The rest of the time, um, he had one other year where he averaged just under 13 points, and every other season, he was below eight points per game for the Wolves, played more of a bit role. Um, as the team got a little bit better, as Garnett joined the team in the mid-90s, West was moved to a, a part-time starting role, more of a more of a role player than a focal point. That Timberwolves team that West scored 19 points a game for in 92-93, that was the year after Pooh Richardson left the team. And uh, the 92-93 Wolves were 19-63. and Sidney Lowe took over in that season 29 games into the year. Pooh Richardson was, excuse me, uh, Doug West was easily the best player on that team in terms of scoring punch. Christian Leitner, um, who we'll get to very shortly in our countdown, and Chuck Person were also um, the scorers on that team that, that the Timberwolves relied upon. But there just wasn't enough defense. There wasn't enough um, consistent perimeter shooting outside of Chuck Person and uh, enough efficiency on offense. Um, to get the job done for, uh, for this team, um, West, again, overall, other than that three year peak was just more of, he was just with the team for nine years. So he accumulated plenty of statistics, although he didn't do a whole lot outside of score early on. And he was one of the guys the was relied upon related to perimeter defense. And he was an okay defender. Uh, the, that was part of the problem for these teams is they didn't have a whole lot in terms of defense. And so West was relied upon as necessary. Um, He only averaged the peak for his rebounding. He never averaged more than 3.2 rebounds per game. Never averaged more than, or I should say, only averaged more than three assists per game one time in his career. For his Timberwolves career, he averaged 10.2 points, 2.6 rebounds, and two assists per game. Again, played nine seasons with the Timberwolves, was part of that inaugural team in 89-90, was the 11th pick of the second round out of Villanova. Um, So Doug West lands on this list at number 14 again. This is a case of his longevity outweighing Pooh Richardson's three-year peak, West being with the team for nine years, also having a strong three-year peak in the middle. Um, But just that longevity with the franchise earns him number 14 on the list. Number 13 in our countdown, Big Al Jefferson. Three seasons with the Timberwolves, 2007 to 2010. He averaged 20.1 points, 10.4 rebounds per game. So averaged a double-double over three seasons. And, um, of course, was acquired in the Kevin Garnett trade in the summer of 2007. was supposed to be the focal point of that trade and uh, was, um, you know, young up and coming player at that time, still after just three seasons managed to land seventh in the wolves, all time rebounding list in franchise history, in terms of scoring Um, Al Jefferson is 12th in franchise history with again, just playing three seasons with the team. Um, When the wolves acquired him, Al Jefferson was 23 years old um, or was about to turn 23 years old and had played three seasons in Boston after being drafted out of high school and was seen as hopefully somebody that could become a Kevin Garnett, type star player. Of course, he never quite had the range on his jumper as Garnett did, never quite had the same athleticism, and was much more of a low post player um, than anything else. Obviously, Garnett scored a fair amount in the low post as well. Jefferson's um, jump hook was formidable, and he remained one of the better low post players in the NBA for several years. Um, And actually, just uh, his last season was in 2017-18 with the Pacers um, at the age of 33. The NBA, of course, has moved away from centers like Al Jefferson, who score on the post and do a lot of their damage down there. He was a high usage guy. He was getting 15 plus touches in the post every single game um, and was was legitimately good. The problem was there just wasn't enough range on his jumper. And he was while well, he was a solid defender, um, there just wasn't a place for him as the NBA grew into more of a pick and roll dominated league. He was never mobile enough to really guard the pick and roll in in the most effective way. That said, he was a solid player. And for those three years on a bad Minnesota team, he put up numbers. Um, and that team that uh, the, the year when he tore his ACL was the year when Randy Foy was playing extremely well. The team looked like it could be turning a corner. And then the wheels came off right about the time that Big Al tore his ACL. His first season in Minnesota, he started all 82 games, had scored 21 points, 11.1 rebounds per game, shot 50% from the field. And again, this is a guy primarily shooting jump hooks in the post. Um, didn't get to the free throw line a ton, um, but he kind of peaked right there those two seasons in Minnesota about five times a game and shooting about 73% from the line. His second season in Minnesota was the year when he got injured. He only played 50 games in the 2008, 2009 season. It was in January of that year that he got hurt. He was averaging 23.1 points, 11 rebounds a game was in the conversation for the all-star team. I don't think he would have made it, but it would have been close. Um, instead, unfortunately, big Al became kind of known as this guy who was one of the better players in the league to never make an all-star team. Um, that season, the Timberwolves finished 24 and 58. That was the year that Randy Whitman was fired. 19 games in Kevin McHale took over. The team saw a little bit of a bump between Foy and Jefferson. And then again, Jefferson got hurt. The wheels fell off. Randy Foy was traded that summer. Um, as was Al Jefferson, um, this following summer after that, um, That Timberwolves team was led by Al Jefferson's 23 points a game. Randy Foy scored 16.3 points a game. And then the rest of the roster is a bunch of guys who didn't do a whole lot at that stage in their NBA career. Ryan Gomes um, started 76 games for that Timberwolves team, was the third leading scorer. Kevin Love was a rookie and only averaged 11 and 9. Didn't even start half the games that season. Um, So for that team to do as well as they were in the early stages of the McHale coaching era... Speaks a lot to Al Jefferson and what he was able to bring to the table. Um, after recovering from his ACL tear pretty quickly, um, the following year he averaged seventeen point one points, nine point three rebounds, and then was traded the following offseason to Utah um, for a couple of first round picks as the Wolves decided and and correctly that they they couldn't play both Kevin Love and Al Jefferson together. Decided to move on from Big Al and build around Kevin Love, which they did and did relatively successfully minus some of the additional injuries, the draft missteps by David Kahn and others. Um, and, and of course, we'll, we we all know that story. Uh, but over the three years in Minnesota, uh, the ACL injury was is kind of the story. Um, we don't really know what the Jefferson-Foy tandem could have been. I think the ceiling is probably still a fringe playoff team there, but it was disappointing to see that year go down in flames as it did. Um In his Timberwolves career, Al Jefferson averaged 20.1 points, 10.4 rebounds per game. As mentioned, is 12th in team history in terms of total points scored. And he is, um, um, in terms of total rebounds, he is seventh in team history block shots. He is fifth and, um, had a, had a nice peak for the Timberwolves. Would have been much higher had he not torn his ACL and also had he not torn his ACL, who knows uh, if Kevin Love stays with the Wolves or if he's the player that's traded or who knows if uh, potentially there's a way that the Wolves try to move forward with both Love and Jefferson. Um, the Wolves definitely sold a little bit low on Big Al, but as his career went on, we saw that he was um, the type of player who was going to get kind of lost in the shuffle in the new NBA. He played three years in Utah, was consistently solid there as well um, on some pretty good Utah teams. With the Jazz, he averaged 18 18- and a half points nine and a half rebounds went to charlotte for three seasons and while he was in charlotte he had another big year where he averaged roughly 22 and 11 in his first season for his career there 17 and a half and nine rebounds and finished his career with a couple of seasons in indiana as a, mostly a bench player um, as the pacers kind of still ran a little bit of more of an old school team kind of coming out of those roy hibbert, hibbert years their uh, their offense i should say was a little bit more old school and jefferson found somewhat of a, a successful bench role and uh, unfortunately, it was just kind of a player that um, the era passed him by in terms of what he was able to bring to the table, yet was still an effective rotation player for several years in the NBA. So um, that puts Big Al number 13 on our list of best Timberwolves players of all time. Next up, we're going to talk about players 12 and 11 before we get into the top 10 next week. First, I did want to talk a little bit about advertising locally on Locked on Wolves. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Wolves is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Minnesota Timberwolves fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Wolves fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, from one old school back to the basket center to another, number 13 was Big Al Jefferson. Number 12, none other than Nikola Pekovic. Peck played six seasons with the Timberwolves from 2010 to 2016. He averaged 12.6 points and 6.7 rebounds per game with the Wolves. Of course, his peak was also impressive and unfortunately was taken down by injuries towards the latter part of his career. He spent his entire six-season NBA career with Minnesota. He was a second-round pick, the first pick of the second round back in 2008, which I believe was the final draft that Kevin McHale was in charge of for the Timberwolves, and this was just a solid pick. He didn't come over until the 2010-11 season, played kind of a bit role off the bench, and found himself leading the league in foul rate that season. In just 13.6 minutes per game, he was committing just under three personal fouls per game. So if he played until he fouled out, that means he basically would have played 27 minutes a game and fouled out every single time he was on the floor, um, so his rookie season was almost a wash. But he showed a lot of a lot of uh, potential in his limited playing time in the 65 games that he appeared in, um, averaging five and a half points, three rebounds per game in uh, in what was the lockout season. The following year, um, Peck battled through injuries once again, only played in 47 games, but started 35 of them and averaged seven and a half rebounds, then saw his peak the next two seasons in 2012, 2012 through 2014. Uh, Peck averaged 16.9 points and 8.7 rebounds per game, which put him in the top few centers in the league. And there was really no doubt that um, his effectiveness when he was on the floor was, was up there with every single all-star caliber center in the league. He just went about it in a very different way. The biggest issue for Peck was always injuries. He never played in more than 65 games in a season. Even his best two seasons, he played in 62 games in the 12-13 season. He played in 54 games only in 2013 and 14. Uh, Those two years, the 12-13 season was a Rick Adelman year. They finished 31 and 51. The following year in in, uh, 13 and 14 was the second Rick Adelman year. That was the first season when Flip Saunders was in charge of the team in the front office after David Kahn was fired. This was the team that had the positive point differential that pegged them more as like a 46-47 win team. Unfortunately, actually a 48 win team. Unfortunately, they went 40 and 42, had some terrible luck at the end of close games, fell apart at the end of some games and ultimately finished just 40 and 42 and uh, missed the playoffs. That was the season when they got another all-star campaign from Kevin Love in his age 25 season. He averaged 26, 12 and a half. Kevin Martin scored 19 a game, and Pekovich was the third leading scorer at 17 and a half points, 8.7 rebounds per game that year, only playing in 54 games. Who knows if the Wolves had gotten a few more games out of Peck, if they got a little bit of better luck at the end of Close games, then they certainly would have. Uh, I think we'd remember the Rick Adelman era a little bit differently. But this was kind of the pinnacle of the most Wolvesy of seasons, when a fun team led by Rubio, Love, Kevin Martin, and a fun coach in Rick Adelman running a fun offense uh, with a lot of movement and you know playing fast, playing good enough defense. This team should have been better than 40 and 42. And that was unfortunately the peak of the Kevin Love era in Minnesota. And of course, things uh, things went downhill from there uh, for the Timberwolves. But as for Peck, he had that strong two plus year, really two and a half year run. And then in 2014-15, he only was able to appear in 31 games towards the end of the season, got shut down, averaged 12 and a half points, seven and a half rebounds per game, tried to come back the following season. Was shut down early in the year, played in just 12 games in the 2015 16 season, and uh, um, only averaged four and a half points and two rebounds a game in 13 minutes a game. The Wolves tried to put him on a minutes restriction, but that didn't even work. Unfortunately, Peck's feet, um, with a man that big, unfortunately, his feet betrayed him really early on in his career. He was only 30 years old at that time. Remember, he had played a few years professionally overseas. He was 25 when he came over to the NBA in 2010. So in six seasons, he still wrapped up when he was only 30 years old um, and uh, retired after that season with the Wolves. Um, everybody remembers, looks, all Wolves fans look back on his time in Minnesota fondly, the time next to Kevin Love, the uh, the Bruise Brothers nickname for a couple of seasons there, the the All-Star campaign, the Timberwolves marketing and PR team put together to try and get those guys to the All-Star game. Um Nothing but fond memories of Peck, and unfortunately, I mean, if he had been able to stay healthy, he certainly would have been a top 10 player on this list, and those Wolves seasons we'd look back on a lot differently as well, Um, but easily enough to put him number 12 because of just how effective he was over that two- to three-year peak. All right. Number 11 on our list. Another big man. We referenced him earlier in this episode. Christian Laettner played four seasons with the Wolves from 1993 to 1996. His averages with Minnesota were 17.2 points and 8.1 rebounds per game. Um, Laettner was a high draft pick um, out of Duke, of course. He was third overall by the Timberwolves in 1992. Only played three, I should say, I said three seasons, three and a half seasons in Minnesota. Um, He Started 81 games in his rookie year and averaged 18.2 points and 8.7 rebounds as a rookie. Um, Did not win the Rookie of the Year award that year, but was on the all-rookie team, of course. That was actually his career high in scoring average. um, And also the second most rebounds per game he averaged in his entire career. Um, His role kind of started to diminish just a little bit as he moved on to other teams. Um, Was a one-time All-Star in Atlanta, which is where Minnesota traded him to, in a weird deal at the trade deadline in 1996. He was traded with Sean Rooks to the Atlanta Hawks for Andrew Lang and Spud Webb in the twilight of his career. So um, The Wolves didn't exactly get full value for a guy who was the third overall pick and had averaged you know, basically 17 and 8 for them over three seasons. Um, but he went to Atlanta, had a strong finish to that season. The following year averaged 18.1 points, 8.8 career-high, 8.8 rebounds per game, was an all-star for the Hawks in his age 27 season. The following year moved more into a bench role for that team went to Detroit for two seasons, spent a half season in Dallas and then three and a half years in Washington played all the way until the 2000, 2004, 2005 season with the Miami heat as a role player on that squad and uh, played until age 35, of course has, uh, a reputation dating back to his '92 Dream Team appearance and played at Duke. Of course, there's uh, there's a full ESPN Thirty for Thirty documentary called "I Hate Christian Leitner that's out there. So um, there's a had a reputation coming into the draft when the Wolves grabbed him in 1993, and was a really good player in Minnesota. Um, it's it's really a blend of longevity, production, and and overall status as a as a historical Timberwolves player that gets him to number 11 on this countdown. He shot forty-seven point four percent from the field with Minnesota. Again, averaged just over seventeen and eight over three years, and uh, and as mentioned, the return when they traded him to Atlanta wasn't all that exciting. Um, getting uh, Andrew Lang and Spud Webb, who were both rentals um, for the rest of that season, the 95-96 Timberwolves team won just twenty-six games that year, which was um, the final year pre-Flip Saunders on the bench, um, and uh, you know right. When they were landing Kevin Garnett and starting the the one and done um, playoff run for for the next several years, um, but at any rate, Christian Leitner at number eleven is is maybe a little high for what people remember because I think at the time there were maybe even higher expectations. Uh, but given what he did over the course of three seasons and uh, on some on some poor Timberwolves teams, and given what he did after he left the Wolves as well, he was a solid NBA player for a long time, and I think has a little bit of a a bad has gotten a little bit of a bad rap um, undeservedly so with with the amount of production that he did have for the wolves. All right, that's spots eleven through twenty. We'll get into the top ten next week. And uh, I think a lot of those names are going to be pretty um, expected. Maybe the order isn't exactly what, what you might expect. So we'll talk through that, talk through the reasoning behind the order on uh, beginning on Monday's show. And it will probably take us through Wednesday as we get a little bit more in depth on some of these players as we move through our top 10. All right, that's all we have for you today here at Locked on Wolves. Thanks once again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Wolves. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.